Namaste uh, to my viewers. Uh, I am delighted and honored to bring a very special guest, uh, Vivek Agnihotri. Most of you already know him. Uh, he is an award-winning uh, international filmmaker, uh, revolutionary, uh, using this new medium for changing the old, old guard, old medium, challenging the old uh, media mafia, uh, challenging old ways of thinking. And so I'm very proud of him because when I come across uh, young people who are taking up this kind of cause and being very successful and very, uh, very uh, intelligent about it, it's quite uh, encouraging for me. I, I, I'm, I'm delighted. So Vivek, it's an honor to have you uh, to, uh, on this show. I, I, I've been following your recent, uh, recent works uh, and your great uh, movie, uh, Buddha in a Traffic Jam. And so I'm delighted to have you. Uh, Rajiv ji, for me, it's a matter of honor and delight to be interviewed by one of the youngest uh, uh, activists in, a, uh, you know, bringing Hindu uh, philosophy, Indic uh, thought in on global map. So you have been like an uh, encouragement for us. Well, uh, Vivek, I want to start by uh, showing to our viewers a short uh, clip of your recent movie and then that sets the stage for our conversation. So let's see the movie. Corruption is an economic stimulant, a catalyst for growth. So that's why I say corruption is good. For the economy, corruption is like tonic. Sir, don't you think it's time to change this tonic? Kargil mein kitne jawan mare the humare? 587. Aur yahan Nexal ke area mein 1500 jawan aur 4500 civilian. Asli war kahan pe ho rahi? Aur kaun hai asli dushman? Ab jo kaun Nexalian ke sangar hai, baaki jai halat hoye. The guns have got to be our minds, and the ammunition are our thoughts. What we actually need, an army of incorruptible, intelligent youth to finally take the fight to these imperialist bastards and bring them down. What we need is to strike. We need a revolution. So, uh, so for the viewers, this movie has uh, created a firestorm in India because uh, Vivek, the filmmaker, uh, has basically challenged the narratives of the old guard left-wing controlled uh, media in India uh, by saying that they're, they're, they're glamorizing the revolutionaries, glamorizing the Maoists and all that is actually destructive. It's not na building a nation, it's destroying a nation. And he has been blockaded, he has been personally assaulted physically with violence. Uh, in various places, including JNU, his movie was not allowed to be screened. But in spite of all that, a lot of students supported him. Lots of students supported him. So he's, this has become an international phenomenon. And I'm very, very glad, glad that uh, uh, I, I have a chance to collaborate, work with him and interview him. So wonderful, uh, wonderful Vivek. Now, I, I want to show why I'm interested in you, Vivek, particularly in this movie is because it, the narrative is resonating with a book I wrote called uh, Breaking India some, some years back. Some, some years back I wrote this book uh, Breaking India. Uh, now, one distinction, well, we, we fully agree on the narrative concerning the, the disruptive forces in India, what I call the centrifugal forces that are trying to take India apart, the Naxalites and these people. But I also focused on the international nexus supporting them. And I want to know what's your view on it. Many of these guys from elitist background, very uh, you know high class backgrounds, they got brainwashed and, and turned into this anti-India kind of people 
by actually uh, foreign uh, influences. And I think that dimension also needs to be brought out. Absolutely. I, I, I uh, totally agree with you. Uh, see, uh, what I realized, my journey was basically um, when I saw that the revolution everybody is talking about and the revolution everybody supports actually is not going to come uh, by guns. It's going to come with ideas. It's going to come with innovation. And that's how we transformed the country. And that's how my journey started. And I realized in this country, especially in India, uh, you will find a whole lot of elitist lobby who are very well-to-do, who are very rich people, who have got a, a position in the society. Those people are against any idea uh, which transforms India into a major global player in innovation. And I was teaching in Indian School of Business. A lot of international faculty, international students and all that. And I realized that there is no India there. Then I realized there is no India in our films. There is no common Indian man in our films. Then I realized that in media, in literature, wherever you go, in the literature festivals, symposiums, there is no Indian thought left anywhere. We have eliminated the... Hindi speaking or whatever, the regional language speaking, middle class Indian person who's rooted and who wants, who's proud of India and who wants India to succeed. He's being uh, systematically eliminated from uh, India. Then I said, why did it happen? And when I started raising questions around it, I realized that people started isolating me. In Bollywood itself, they started isolating me. Then in rest of the places, they started curbing my voice and they didn't want me to succeed in saying what I'm saying. I'm sure, Rajiv, you must have gone through that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Now, I went through the same uh, experience with what I call the uh, media mafia. Uh, the media yeah. mafia. Uh, and, and also people who are the intellectual elites that are really working as sepoys. They're like the old sepoys were with physical guns. Now we have those sepoys also, but we also have the intellectual sepoys. They are, they are trained in the ideologies, their jargon, uh, average Indian won't even understand what they mean by this and that theory. You know, all these social theories they brought from the West, which are alien to our country and blindly imposed on us and made laws, made laws about family, made laws of all kinds, which are not uh, which, uh, applicable to India. So I have faced this and I'll tell you, I faced three. Uh, it's unfortunate. First, First war I had intellectually when I got into this field full time uh, 25 years ago. First war was with the Western uh, people who, who are still promoting a kind of an imperialist colonized agenda on India. Yeah, uh, and yeah. that, I, that was a starting point for me because I live here and so I have access to these people. And so I, I thought I'll first study the people who are around me. I'll study the, 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 the media in this country, the education system, the academic portrayal of India and all of that. So that was my first target. I had a lot of fights with those guys. Then I had fights with the Indian left because they started coming to the defense of the Westerners. This is what told me that this nexus is because after, yeah. I, after I could defeat one Western thinker after another on their stereotypes about India, they would quickly bring Indians, Indian leftists on their side to fight me. Huh? So then they would yeah. get one Indian fighting the other Indian. And then I realized yeah. that I also have to target a lot of uh, Indian leftists. This became my second war. Unfortunately, in the last two, three years, there's a third battle, which is with the Hindus also. Hindu leaders in our country, some of them are sold out. Some of them are on the payrolls. Some of them have been infiltrated, some knowingly, some unknowingly. Some are in it just to scramble for power for themselves. So really, there are three fronts for anybody who wants to, uh, you know, really represent the true Bharat. 
and I, I therefore I have lot of sympathy and empathy for you because you are facing exactly the same thing. Yeah, and uh, see, I, what I realized, see, uh, Rajiv ji, I spent some six, seven years uh, understanding the leftist uh, politics, extremist politics in India. And I actually risked my life and I did a lot of interviews, went inside. What I understood, I'm going to answer exactly what the question you raised about international intellectual mafia or media mafia. What is happening is that they are connected to all international terrorist organizations. And they have sort of a thought pool between them. And what happens is they create a lot of front of, and it's a written document. It's not that I am saying. It's India CPI uh, Moist Organization's written document, strategic document it's called. And there are five documents which says in 2025 they'll topple the democratic government and they'll take over by armed revolution. I said, who are these people who are supporting them? And I realized that in the written document they say that in the most important our strategy is to have front organizations in our cities. And these front organizations are uh, political activists. These front organizations are advocates, you know, legal activists, yes. media, and yes. primarily students. Right. Now, where, who funds them? Adivasis do not give money to Naxals. So right. it comes from two places. One, extortion. They extort money from all the industrialists and 11,000 crore rupees they extort every year in Bastar alone. Then the second biggest chunk, almost 80% of their money comes from NGOs. Right. And if you realize these NGOs are funded by lots of foreign international front organizations. Right. They are right. also front organizations. Right. So it's a very smart game. They want right. to create a sense of chaos right. and control the narrative. When people like you raise their voice, then they get rattled and they actually want to intellectually uh, murder you. Yes. yes, yes, yes. You know, I will tell you, uh, I have been blockaded from these uh, Jaipur Literary Festival type people uh, because yeah. Jaipur Literary Festival run by a Scottish man uh, with some Indian fronts, Indian sepoys, but really controlled by yeah. a guy from Scotland whose great grandfather was in the East India Company, one of those, one of those guys we know about. So, okay. when we think we've been gotten rid of the colonizers, actually the next, the present generation of those people are still ruling us intellectually. And uh, Winston, Winston Churchill, you know, after they lost the British Empire, he made a very famous speech at Harvard where he said the empires of the future will be the empires of the mind. The empires of the future will be the empire. He predicted this back in the 40s and he made this statement that we have to take yes. control of the mind. So you see, yeah, yeah. I find this, uh, this kind of sepoy sitting in uh, the Hindu newspaper. I find them in uh, Times of India. I find them in Business Standard. I find them all over the place. And these uh, literary festivals which attract lakhs of young people, very innocently thinking that our culture is promoting our uh, so this is a very insidious thing and I must say that the new government hasn't really understood this game and uh, not, hasn't really taken them on and some of the, you know, some of the young uh, boys and young men and women uh, uh, in, the, in the new system uh, whose parents are in very high positions, they themselves are part of these American think tanks and American evangelical groups and so on. So I really have concerns for India. I mean, I, I thought that with the new government, they'll really take this on head-on, but they, they haven't done a head-on battle against this group. What would you like to say about this intellectual battle the new government has not really taken on? See, I, I think this government has, uh, they have their priorities a little different from what we expect them to have. Their priorities are right now to uh, win as many states as possible and then finally ensure that they win 2019. So though they are going state by state. But the good thing is Rajivji, then lots and lots of people in last three years, 
where government is not doing its job people are filling in people like you like you are running the show now you are reaching so many minds you know what was the biggest tool what was the strongest tool more than uh, jet fighters more than uh, tanks uh, with the leftist people has been propaganda yes. what they have done is they have done seminars all seminars festivals literary festivals film festivals literature books publishing houses media entertainment everywhere they have gone in but now we but got social you, media now we right. now and you and i have social media where, yeah that's when they got exposed the yes. minute power came to citizens the power to uh, disseminate information and sharing knowledge came to citizens of the country or the world suddenly you see in the entire world all these forgotten people unheard people the feeble people suddenly have found new power and how are they getting their power their power is getting channelized to people like you the show which you are doing and there are lots of people doing really good job they are writing uh, yesterday amish tripathi his uh, book was launched he's also brought lot of uh, indian mythology into popular culture a lot of people are doing that in their own little ways and they are thought leaders like you so that's why i started my fight because i thought it's important it started from bollywood in 2014 a letter was circulated which said that a fascist government is coming and we have to stop them i said who are these people to stop a democratically elected uh, prime minister of this country and then i started studying it you'll realize that everybody in bollywood used to come from communist party of india and they were part of ipta which was a communist bat uh, theater company prithvi raj kapoor raj kapoor gurudat vijayan all these people were basically leftist kafi azmi uh majroor sultan puri sahir ludhianvi but they were never anti india hmm. they were not anti hindu they were anti oppression that's why you'll find all their poetry writings works are against the zamindar right but slowly slowly this international mafia when they, they started taking over these front organizations you will find you said barkha right from barkha to thousands of these people who are in uh, research organizations who are in uh, think tanks who are in policy making organizations all these people are talking anti hindu and therefore anti india uh, things bilkul theek baat bilkul theek baat now I, another point i wanted to discuss uh, in one of your uh, uh, you you've uh, you've mentioned the 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 future uh, and the success of india in a in a in a free market capitalist mode and wealth creation the importance of wealth creation now i agree with you that is very necessary but i want to point out that the the uh, wealth that has been recently created uh, on selling cheap labor to the western countries may not be sustainable yeah and i've written Absolutely, about this, I uh, i've written about this for a long time it is what would be called labor arbitrage meaning you hire somebody at x and replace somebody who makes 5x in a foreign country and in between there is money margin for all kind of people now what you are doing is you are in a sense it's the same thing as slavery because they used to bring slaves and and sell them at a high price now of course they are not slaves but it is more similar to maybe you know cheap bricklayers coming from bihar to work in a in a construction project in delhi Uh, so the bihari of course looks very uh, good in front of other biharis back in his village who are very poor he can send money home he can send pictures that he's wearing trousers he's driving a car he's got a mobile phone he's got all those uh, symbols of success so in comparison to other people in his village he's built up as a show, as a kind of a role model for success but you know he's living a, he's living at a, under the glass ceiling in the delhi economy Uh, the same way as a lot of these outsourced indian people they are so, sort of big heroes in india 
because they are they are going to malls and buying things and whatnot. But in the economy of the country where they are serving, say in the United States, they are sort of considered as sort of disposable, disposable uh, kind of migrant labor, temporary labor, yeah. and things of that sort. Now the Bihari, to build the analogy, the Bihari bricklayer making a mansion for a rich man in India. He does not own until he does not own capital. He does not own property. He does not own the bricks. He is laying the bricks, but he has no ownership in the in the product that he's made. Same way, somebody in India writing a line of code for Bill Gates, he does not own that line of code. He's a bricklayer. He India may have produced so many tens of millions of lines of code and source code and lakhs of people, but at the end of the day, they do not own prop. They do not own the asset which they are creating. They are just labor. So this is yeah. this this kind of a thing ultimately doesn't it doesn't create a permanent infrastructure in the country. Uh, it, unlike China, China started manufacturing. They also started with cheap labor as the calling card to get in the door. But they went up the value curve. They started uh, more and more of their own stuff. Today, China is so powerful. It's not easy for people to sort of. Donald Trump said, "I'll relocate all the factories back." It's not easy to do that. Whereas it's very easy to relocate a call center. You do not need a whole lot of infrastructure. So India did not in in India because it was not done with big long-term strategic thinking. It was done by a few individual entrepreneurs who were very clever who could make a billion dollars quickly and run away. You know, like the people who start some of the some of these companies were started and the people made lots of money very quickly and they are gone. They take they cashed out on their shares and the shares are dropping and they are gone. So this kind of uh, fast success. Uh, rather than institution building long term, which China did, uh, it means that we are also on slippery ground. Our our success is also tentative, and you cannot be a successful country based on importing all the weapons, importing all the high tech, and selling cheap labor. You, that is not because you know. Then Philippines took over. Philippines Absolutely. took over call centers. Uh, you know, if if Pakistan had its act together, Pakistan has English speaking people like India. Pakistan could take over that whole field. Pakistan could actually, if it had its act together. So can Sri yeah. Lanka, so can Uganda, so can Bangladesh. All these countries who are former British colonies, they also got the same kind of talent of people who can speak English. So I don't think that this is a very sustainable advantage. Uh, so the success we have in in monetary terms, also you have to look at every sector. Uh, you know, yeah. you have, now for instance, the pharma sector is good because in the pharma sector they have genuinely produced uh, breakthrough in in chemistry and are able to. Produce medicines at a cheaper price. It is not just cheap labor cost. They have actually broken yeah. some of the. So each sector has its own uh, success or, or or just apparent success. And we have to be careful not to sort of rejoice too quickly that uh, we have done well. So I want oh, to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think the worst thing you can do is uh, to uh, put a government in a comfort zone and uh, make them believe that yes, everything is all right. That's the worst thing. Whether you are a right or left doesn't matter. But that's why you, uh, Rajiv ji, I am running this campaign called I Am Buddha, yeah. and uh, I have created an NGO called I Am Buddha Foundation, and I am going myself everywhere. I am not. Uh, I am just doing it like a, a charity work. And what my dream is, see, India has lot of uh, creative wealth. Nobody has looked at it so far. Look at our mythology. Look at the entire web of uh, complicate complexities in our social system. Chaos everywhere. You see, despite that, people come, they excel, they succeed, uh, and we uh, we call it jugar. You know, but I think India has the power to become an innovation hub. All these boys, girls, and boys who study at IIT and uh, IIM 
I think time has come for them to come back to India to work here. And for that, I think government needs to play a very, very important role. And I agree with you that there are so many sectors where there's so much of work can be done and they are so untapped. And I think that's the sad commentary. So, Vivek, I want to talk about Jugaad. Uh, okay, in, 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 in my in my book, uh, being different, I, I compare and contrast Indian Indian uh, civilization with Western civilization, and I have five or yeah. six major differences. One of them yeah. is the Indians have comfort with chaos. Indians yeah. are what the Westerner would call chaos. We just call it complexity. It is just we are yeah. comfortable with more complexity than they are. So when, yeah. when something is beyond their threshold of comfort, too complexity, they call it chaos. But yeah. we are fine. Barish bhi aage, hai. Bidli bhi chalegi, we are okay. Ah. Ah, ah. Because you know, you look at the raga is played with improvisation. You don't know what yeah. the next raga was. Whereas the Western orchestra is very much like very uh, like almost like robots and you know mechanized repli replication. So improvisation is a quality we have. And this yeah, improvisation. Huh, so so I, I agree with and, and in this book I uh, promoted this idea of Jugaad that it is an innovation we have. Now I have a little little different thought little and I want to share with you. See, uh, uh, Jugaad is typically one man or a small number of people, not a large team, uh, improvising something to get out of a situation quickly. So yeah. it is it is it is my solution for my predicament right now. It is that kind of a jugad. Now the turning, the turning point in my thinking was, you know, I was sitting in Mumbai uh, with a relative of mine and I was uh, praising jugad. And he is this very, uh, he works for one of the largest multinationals uh, and he is in the top position. And he says, chalega. I said, why jugad kyun chalega? He says, okay, I'll show you. So uska, uske ghar mein jo, the electrical panel, he opened the panel. And he showed that these wires were sort of like completely nonsensical, no, no structure, no organization. And he said, this is a fire hazard. This is a fire hazard. And this is the result of Jugaad. Because every time I call an electrician, he all he wants to do is solve his particular problem without worrying about the next person who will come. Without thinking big time, without saying, is this, have I left it clean? Have I left it organized for the next guy for the next year, five years? He all he wants to do is be able to say, I solved my problem. Sir, sir, now then I started looking at this mentality, okay, this is not my job. I've done my job. Now you go to that department and that department. I started seeing this everywhere. I started seeing it in government. I started seeing even when the minister is very friendly and says to his people, go help them. Uh, you go running around from this department to that department because they're all disconnected. They're all kind of micro. So I coined the term micro optimization. Which means I'm optimizing. I'm optimizing. Mera, mera, mera sthan, mera jo problem hai, usko optimize kar Apne ghar ke aage main safai kar raha hu, So I'm not looking at the total well-being of the community. I'm not optimizing the neighborhood, the jati, the nation. I'm optimizing myself. So this jugad can also be the a kind of mentality that leads to corruption. Because in corruption, I'm optimizing. Mera, mera fayda ho jaye, main bach Mera aage, main aage nikal I'm not looking at what's good for all of us together. And this yeah. is where I started looking at China. Because China's Confucian thought is collective, collective uh, advancement. There is a certain collective advancement where I, I'm not to look at you know, what's optimum for me personally and short term especially. But what is good and what is sustainable long term. So I, I'm pointing out some of the uh, too much jugad uh, may mean that we are not building institutions. We are building personal success. So we built... We built some billionaires 
out of this uh, IT export, but we do not have robust institutions that can survive an international meltdown. We can't because the, yeah. uh, Trump can pull one, push one button and we are finished. So, we have individuals So, it is kind of, it builds individual cult, individual personality cult. Uh, so, even you could argue that uh, Modi is not the product of an institution of leadership training. He is just a one man. So, with one man here and there, you cannot build a sustainable nation. You, you need to have systems. So, what do you think of right, Jugaad right. versus yes. Jugaad versus institution building? Yeah, so I look at it like this. You know, a mind which can, an individual who can do some Jugaad. Okay, now look at the power of collective Jugaad. Huh. We need to analyze it. Like you were talking right. about the wires. Now, everybody right. has gone and done their own job. Right. Okay, they don't care about what's happening to the environment, what's happening around them, whether it's a fire hazard or not. Because if, it's a fi if there's a fire, then also they have a Jugaad for that. So, right. that's... Now, now the thing is, it's become a chain of jugaads. Where is this culture coming from? Right. This culture is coming from 60, 70 years of where everything was government controlled and people had to find jugaad to survive. Right. You need some paper, you know it's going to take you ages. If there's a court case, you know it's going to take you ages. If there's an electric failure, there's a telephone connection failure, people knew it's going to take ages. And therefore, they started doing things on their own. There's a very interesting thing, Rajivji, I will tell you. You'll find in the films of 70s and 80s when Amitabh Bachchan was ruling it, you'll find lots of films where the hero goes for personal justice. He finds a personal way of judicial jugaad. You know, and he finds justice for his village and things like that in a very Robin Hood manner or he goes and shoots. But the thing, what I'm saying, if you channelize it, yes. you will find India people basically are very creative because I believe people who are rooted, people who go through are scarcity. People have to struggle every single day to breathe air, to just be, to find some privacy, to find little uh, drinking water, to find electricity. They are very sharp minds. Somebody needs to channelize, and I'm so glad that you have talked about it, what you call institution, institutionalizing. That's my effort. I'm doing my own little way, bringing a lot of creative young minds, old minds, all minds to bring, and I have great faith and Indian thought. I think See, like, for example, this entire tolerance uh, debate, the tolerance, uh, anti-tolerance debate, whatever was going on. I wrote an article and I always go and speak about it, that the word tolerance is not Indian. Indian concept is acceptance. Mutual respect. Yeah, right. Right, right, right. So, we don't so talk to our neighbor, we accept him as a family member. Right, right, right. So, iske mein, uh, on the Jugaad issue, you know, coming from tech background myself, I've always asked Indians, there are so many Indians in Google, but there is no Indian Google company. There is no, there is no Indian Facebook. There is no Indian Twitter. There is no Indian no. YouTube. Uh, now, we are, we, are on, we are using all these platforms. Hum social media mein both, uh, we are ha happy to use it, but do you realize that ultimately the social media is not controlled by our own nation? And China has built its own parallel social media. They use that. They don't use uh, Facebook, Google, all those things. And the also, e yeah, yeah e-commerce. Also, you know, in this recent uh, thing, Russia can hack American all kind of uh, establishments. Uh, Gmail is a completely, it's, a, it's absolutely not secure. And I'm surprised that uh, you can write to the PMO's office, you can write to all kind of ministers and all kinds of people, and they're using Gmail. 
So not cognizant that actually it is not secure. So the point I'm making is that while we have done very well individually, Indians as individuals can become CEO of this company and vice president of that company and we're very proud of it. But where is the Indian institution, an Indian collective effort to build our own Facebook, to build our own Google, to build our own YouTube, to build our own all these things. So this is, to me, this is where the individual Jugaad has to be collectively organized into institution building. So because totally you know, you. yeah, yeah. If you look at the the market value of Apple is almost a trillion dollars, and you look at yeah. these top five or ten uh, tech companies filled with Indians working there. Indian is the is the bricklayer from Odisha and Bihar, whose village, who's come to Delhi and he's making a he's making a mansion for a rich man. Or both Kushaki man, look how much I'm making a house. But that house is not So he, Indians yeah. are making the mansions and the technology, you know, superstructures for. Western owners. This is a tragedy. Yeah. So I think we have to somehow waken up our people that Jugaad is not enough just for you yourself and short term and make a few money. You have to now build an institution which can be world class. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I, for example, I'll give you a good, so I'll give you a good uh, uh, IPL. IPL is a system an institution which produces cricketers. It yeah. is not just a, a, you know, one Tendulkar comes out of nowhere. Now there is a whole system. But we do not yeah. have a similar system for producing Olympic gold medalists. Like China does, like other... China decided, ke, dekho, 30 years ago they decided we want to be number one or number two in gold medals in the world. So they made a national campaign, a national whole thing out of it. In our case, it is more individual has to do it on his own. Most of Rajiji, uh, Rajiji, there is another uh, very big problem in our country. The reason why uh, you don't find so much of talent innovation coming because our spending on R&D anywhere is almost nil. Yes, no, that is very correct. Almost nil. That we is very call correct. Ourselves, yeah, right. Where in literature, in art, in uh, Bollywood, where in sports? Sports doesn't mean cricket. You look at rest of the right. uh, 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 fields in sociology. Right. Nowhere you will find. And second thing, I do not understand why don't we catalog the information. Today, if you want any information in this country, it's almost impossible. So I totally agree with you. We need to institutionalize. We need to channelize our resources. The scattered resources have no meaning. Right. They have to get organized. It has to be a collective effort. Right. So one good counter example to what I'm saying is ISRO. ISRO is a good yeah. institution. It is not individual regard. It is not that a rocket scientist has put something. I mean, they have tens of thousands of scientists working together, and they are world class. They measure their success on international standards, and they are able to match beat international standards. And it is not dependent on a personality cult of one leader. That if something happens, the whole collapse will happen. Even, even, uh, even uh, the milk uh, cooperative in Anand, that is, I think, Excellent. a very beautifully institutionalized example. Yes, yeah. yes. So we need, uh, we need this, uh, we need to bring back, because after all, uh, I, I disagree with people who say that it is part of Hindu culture not to be institute, not to be organized in collective work. I would no, disagree no. because, because if you look at the archaeology of the, uh, uh, of the Indus Saraswati civilization, uh, the, the standards of brick, the standards of roads, the standards of city building, uniform across thousands of square kilometers. And for two, three thousand years, this was the result of collective, collective accomplishment, collective excellence. It was not one king who made some little thing which finished after him. It continued for a long time over a, over a region of space 
uh, territory as big as you know 50% of Europe. That, that's how big this uh, uh, civilization yeah, was. So it yeah. shows that we have had in our past the idea of building some kind of something similar to what we now call institutions, some kind of a collective. Sir, I think, I think, I think the minute Indianness comes into India's narrative, whether it's a defense narrative or it's a social narrative or it's a, a literary narrative, whatever narrative it is, the minute you bring India back into or Indianness back into this narrative, a lot of problems will get solved. Problem is that we are importing the entire thought the entire ideas from abroad and that's why people are confused nobody is doing nothing and i totally agree with you why institutions are not being created that is also the biggest question we need to ask in 2017 isn't it i think i think it's very important to ask this question that yeah, yeah no it is years of independence why don't we have institutions yeah so you see that there are i see that uh, vivek i see ki uh, to build a nation or to build any any uh, enterprise you need three things you need the knowledge narrative. Then you need to train this to large number of human beings, so there have to be human resource development. Yeah. Uh, like, like for instance, like in, in your field, you have a you understand the skill or the talent of being a great one of the great filmmakers. That's the knowledge. That's the knowledge part. Now there needs this needs to be scaled to a large number of people to create an yeah. industry. You need to create, and then you need to build institutions to support these people. And to make sure that they are sustained and it keeps reproducing and, re and, and enhancing on its own. So this is the this is the mechanism that ISRO has built. This is the mechanism that IPL wants to build. So these are self-sustaining things. And one of the great things about Western civilization, I criticize them a lot for other things, but they have managed to build institutions. They have managed to build according to their new systems. Yeah. According to their ideology, apni ideology yeah, ke liye they have been able to do that so we have a we we should uh, we should think about it now okay. i want to move yes. on to i want to move on to uh, uh, a great poster you did i want to show the poster about uh, two indias this is a this is a poster that sparked a revolution your your film now this poster uh, basically the two indias are the socialism and capitalism the uh, socialism is uh, epitomized or the extreme case of it is marxism uh, maoism and then there is the free market, the capitalism for it. Now, uh, my comment on this, I think this is fantastic. My, my feeling is that both these camps are Western ideas. Because the, yeah. the, the Marxist socialist is also not something which is really a Bharati concept. And the free market capitalism has some issues. It is not exactly the same thing as the Indian idea of free market. Because here... Western capitalism is based on limitless consumerism, limitless okay. consumerism. So limitless consumerism cannot be scaled. You cannot have eight and a half billion people in the world all living like the 300 million Americans live. If you took the lifestyle of Americans, the per capita consumption of water, paper, per capita consumption of raw material, and if you scale it to you know 20 times as much population and make everybody in the world live like an American, there is not enough raw material. You will need 10 planets to do that. Uh, we will finish off the environment. So there is not enough capital. There is not enough raw material. Uh, there, is no, uh, there is not enough environment. And most of all, the, the success of capitalism has been based on a social hierarchy, a hierarchy of privileges. The whole capitalist enterprise now they can say I'm both Amir Hoge, but while they were in order to become Amir, they had to go through many generations of exploitation uh, of, of people who were not uh, uh, at the top of the pyramid. So I think that 
both the leftist structure and the capitalist uh, right-wing structure have a kind of, uh, they are alienated from the Indian ethos. So, 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 mera ye kaina hai ki, and, and also this business of, uh, you know, the globalization is a meritocracy is a sham because there is no free movement of labor. Capital yeah. moves, capital moves. So, those who have a lot of capital has an advantage and goods move, but labor cannot move. I mean, uh, you know, you cannot take all the Bangladeshis and just move to Australia because opportunities are better. Uh, you cannot take uh, all the people from some place and just move somewhere else because geography and territory is guarded under this globalization system. And who gets in, how they get in now, now they're building this war on Mexico and all that. All that is guarded. So this, this is also a bit of a sham. Now I want to put up uh, my, uh, I wrote an article called Three Indias. I want your opinion on it. This is a picture. This is a picture now on the screen. Uh, the woman on the left represents uh, capitalism, free market. I call it Sensex India. I call it Sensex India. Uh, the person in the middle is Maoist. Uh, the third one is Bharatiya. So that is my third India. So I am saying that there is a struggle going on among three Indias. There is not, it, is, it is not only left wing versus right wing, but even this so called right wing, uh, capitalist right wing is also sometimes very greedy. So in some ways the poor people have a point. The poor people have a point that he is not putting money back into creating institutions to help people. He is just buying yachts and airplanes and islands and bank accounts in Switzerland and he is becoming a kind of a global rich man. Uh, he is not really putting it back into our society. So I do, I do share that the, the, the average Aam Admi has a genuine gripe against the fellow who just made a lot of money very quickly. So what do you say of that? That you know America was built by very rich people who became rich through exploitation but then they created the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation, they created the Templeton Foundation. Why yeah. isn't there the Ambani Foundation? Why isn't there the you know all these people try when they create a foundation it is for some selfish goal but not yeah, on the same scale. Uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, see uh, uh, to, let me just tell you uh, there is a very ironical thing. Uh, See, India has given birth to some of the greatest political thinkers. Look, start from Krishna. Okay, you yes. have Gandhi. Buddha suggested eight ways how to live life. Uh, we had Chanakya. You know, we had so many good political thinkers. Yes. What is Mao doing in India? I fail to understand. Yes. I mean, we are so intellectually, uh, politically bankrupt that we have to import Mao from there, like you were saying. Now, the thing is, the biggest problem today we are facing is that we do not have a rooted political ideology or a social engineering plan which is rooted in India. This middle class town boy, you know, nobody involved in the main narrative. His ideas nobody cared about. So he said, okay, I don't want to live in this country. I'm leaving. So he became engineer, went to US because he had no hope. There was no collective dream. Now, right. what is happening with people like you, me, and a lot of people are coming this India is slowly, in our films, where I specialize, I can tell you, there is no common man. The only common man you know is lives in London or New York. And I, the other day I was telling people that if you want to go to Czechoslovakia or you want to go to uh, Norway, you want to go to a country which you don't know anything about, just pick up some of their books and pick up five uh, recent films. You'll get to know about their architecture, you'll know about their food habits, family structure, their politics. A lot you'll get to know. Even if you see Superman movie, you'll know how Americans live, what kind of houses, uh, what kind of food do they eat. But if somebody has to come to India and picks up five Indian films, 
He'll learn everything about New York and London. He'll never learn anything about India. That is a very big tragedy. Our films and our literature always comments on the contemporary times. And I think that's where we align what you are saying. We need this Bharatiya, this common man of India to come in the main narrative of this country. He has to have power. Power is divided just between two people, these capitalists and the Maoists, the people yes. who are anti-development and the people who are pro-development because they want to make profits. And that's why in my film, see, it says two Indias, but one revolution. And that one revolution, I think, is when Indian ideas by Indians, for Indians are going to, we take the best of India. You take absolutely yes. best cream of Indian ideas. And then when you work with them, with a global perspective, I think that is where the success lies. Yeah. You see, in America, that's brilliant. In America, they have this idea called American exceptionalism means why we are the exceptional people in the world or sab bache bache ko jata hai. in schools they yeah. teach about founding fathers and what's so great about us and all that in china they're teaching about their own uh, ideology and what's great about it every place does that now why isn't this idea of bharatiya exceptionalism properly developed with narratives with films with the theater put in textbooks made part of the indian foreign service ethos you know many of the people i meet in the indian foreign service jo yama, mother, they have important positions their knowledge of the bharatiya exceptionalism is very shallow it's a, yeah. it's a, I mean, they have very little, they know, okay, okay, zero ayatha or Tendulkar ne wo hundred centuries bana di thi and they know a few things like that. But the depth yeah. of this Bharatiya exceptionalism is huge. And I started a project on history of Indian science and technology, got no support from anywhere. We have done single-handedly 14 volumes, 14 volumes we have published, they are available. We got no government, pali wali government, ye nai wali government, nobody, everybody would make us run around, yaha wahan jayenge, bhejenge hamko. We have no time to, you know, be for that kind of nonsense. So, you know, this is the sort of, this is the work of ministries. This is what the culture ministry should be doing. They should be building the whole narrative of Bharatiya exceptionalism. They should be training yeah. human resource. They should be turning it into institutions. They should be funding the kind of work I've done for 25 years all with all my resources. So I, I'm frustrated that even with this change yeah. in government, we do not have a Bharatiya exceptionalism type of ministry. It's a ministry level project. We'll do our best and we'll continue doing it, which is great. But at some point, the, some point, the big budgets and big authority people have to get in and help us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is yeah. my my dilemma. Yeah. At some point, I mean, we have worked so hard. We, we, we deserve some help, you know. We are getting. I mean, I'm getting old, and I I deserve. I need some help to even transmit it to the next generation. I can't just continue, you know. So I'm just giving yeah, you my frustration. That's a sad commentary, and today's uh, generation, unfortunately, the urban uh, youth of uh, India, urban means uh, people who basically. Uh, ultimately end up influencing the narrative, uh, their knowledge about India is very, very shallow. And this is a product of our education system. And I think our education system has always made us feel uh, pathetic about ourselves. It's See, so you are, tragic you, all the times. It never makes me feel proud of uh, India, you know. You know, you are, it's so good, our chemistry. Every time I'm discussing a point, you lead me to the next point. Abhi aapne next point ki education system. That was exactly what I was going to say. So we have discussed all these problems. Now it leads us to the causes that education system It is not able to perform at a 21st century level. Produce millions of young people who are world-class competitive. This we have not been able to do. Now, given that the education system is still producing memorize, karke, ratke, pass an exam, get a degree, which does not make you an educated person. It just makes you somebody who passed an exam. Yeah. 
and we are producing such a lot of people who are not able to think for themselves. Uh, so, you know, and then there is an overpopulation. Do you think it's a, I feel there is a danger of, a, of an overpopulation uh, with uh, not enough jobs, not enough uh, thinking skills and problem solving skills. Artificially, how long can you keep supporting them with artificial job creation? So something needs to be done also about the population problem. I think that they keep talking about youth dividend, but youth dividend is also a youth liability if they, if they have stomach to feed. They have stomach I, to feed. I, yeah. I, I personally, in my experience and for last few years, I've been traveling a lot. I travel about 20-25 days in a month and in small places, hot places, all kinds of places with no electricity. Sometimes I have to go in car and stuff like that. My understanding, Rajiv Ji, is that all across, whether you go from top to bottom or wherever, we are creating a pool of dumb people. And I, why I'm saying that, not dumb yes. in any manner, I'm saying no, I dumb minds. Yes. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. What I have discovered is nobody is born stupid in this world. Everybody is born creative. Like we breathe, similarly we are creative. Any child, you leave him anywhere in the world, wherever, in a jungle or in a mall, he invents a game within no time. But what has happened in India, that we have systematically made these creative people uncreative. We, their ability to take risk, we have zeroed it down. You won't get a job. All the times, negative, negative. That child has become hopeless, helpless, and become uncreative. I see so many. Allahabad University, I was there the other day. Okay. And I always thought that if you uh, delete Allahabad University from Indian map or Indian history, you will leave so many great thinkers, scientists, political scientists, sociologists, uh, writers, authors. That place made me cry. The youth at that place had no worldview. They had no idea about India. They had no idea about the world. They were living in a very conflicted, chaotic world just by uh, physical power, Bahubalis and politics. And so many dull and uncreative, unaware minds, I think, can also work like an atom bomb for our country, which is ready to implode or explode, I don't know, which you know better. Uh, the mediocrity, I, I mean, this is a rampant, rampant mediocrity. And you know, I, I mean, I, I look at it at the youth level, it's so easy. It's so easy to get lakhs of people following, retweeting, getting into slogans, feeling emotionally very aroused. But very difficult to get even a few percent of them to actually in an organized way build, do some work. Uh, I, I, and I found this. Uh, anytime I have an article or a book or a talk which is rabble-rousing, anger, tapping into anger is very easy yeah. to do for with Indians because there is anger, that's genuine. But then a very tiny, tiny percent of them, after they are aroused and they have expressed their anger, very tiny percent of them will actually come forward to help you build, construct something new. Building something new, constructing something new is a difficult job, very difficult job. So I want to show this uh, slide. I want to show this slide uh, where I have uh, leverage, leveraging public anger is not enough. Okay. So I have Modi, Kejriwal and Trump. Okay, so first column is defeating the opponent, defeating the incumbent, disrupting the old system, oh, old okay. system. But second column is very important, constructing a new system. For that you need institution building. Now, 
Modi, I've given him yes and yes in both columns because he was very good at defeating the Congress and Sonia Gandhi and all those people. But the day he got elected, he changed his narrative. He's no longer uh, worrying about putting them in jail and so on. He's, he's thinking about how to make India, how to make India you know, important and how to bring manufacturing and economy and this and that. So he shifted from disrupting the old system for during the election time into uh, governing the country, making, making uh, new India great. So I, I give him yes and yes in both columns. As far as Kejriwal is concerned, he was also very good at disrupting the old system. But after he got into power, he did not do anything. He did not take over the power and build a city, build Delhi out of it. He was still complaining, whining, fighting. So he was not able to do the constructive part. He was able to do the destructive part. As far as Trump is concerned, Trump is also very good in demolishing his opponents and getting himself in power. But I put a question mark on whether he can switch to building a new America, build, making America great again as he, as the campaign uh, slogan said. Uh, so the feeling I have is that we have achieved in the last few years the first part of what is required, disrupting this 70 year old, uh, you know, this old bad stuff going on. We have not taken it down to the villages and disrupted the Maoists. We have not done that. All we have done is disrupted the elites in places like Delhi, kick them out. Now the question is how will be successful, to what extent will be successful in, in uh, creating a new order. And, and I want your opinion on that. That is where we need institutions. And that is where Modi, yes to, I give yes to Modi, but question mark to BJP. I'm not too sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm not too sure whether BJP lives up to the standard of excellence, uh, whether this uh, Modi thinking can be is scalable to other people in the institution or whether it's just a one-man show. What are your thoughts on that? Um, see, first, I think one thing I'll give a lot of credit to Modi, I don't know it was part of strategy or what's his plan in his mind, is that he has uh, been able to change that defeated, uh, hapless, yes. uh, hopeless, uh, yes. frustrated kind of a mindset. A collective hopelessness is very dangerous for any country. He has been able to change it. I yes. travel amongst youth and believe you me, uh, people, the young people are really excited. They are becoming hopeful. I'm not saying they are absolutely hopeful, uh, but they are becoming hopeful because he made people believe that, yes, from nowhere, if I can be a political innovator and if I can disrupt the system, so can you. Now, yeah. now, to shift from mediocrity to meritocracy is not such a, a simple process because you need some kind of a pipe which roots you through. You know, when yeah. the river breaks out from Himalayas, it's beautiful, but if you do not guide it slowly, okay, then it can disrupt the entire uh, the, the produce uh, in the farms and the villages and all that. And that's what I want to see. It will take time, but by 2019, there has to be a very visible turnaround. Not yes. only the youth and the people, not in the free uh, mindset, but also in the bureaucracy. Bureaucracy yes. is still very extremely socialist. I've been working with them last five days. I was in Delhi and I've realized we see Modi, 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 Modi. But then a lot of people in bureaucracy who I interacted, top level officers in foreign service and administrative service, I've seen they still work like typical Soviet babus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will have. Now, I also will tell you my experience. Faculties, yeah, yeah, yeah. the universities. Yes. Yes, yes. Why say yeah? See, my experience has been uh, I've also uh, learned to differentiate uh, uh, the BJP uh, establishment, which is institutional governance, uh, 
uh, with uh, from uh, RSS. And I must say, I am very impressed by RSS people I've met. I've met some very brilliant people. And I feel that they are grounded in Bharatiya Sanskriti. They are grounded in Bharatiya exceptionalism. So we have a foundation of knowledge and expertise and competence in the RSS in understanding that civilizational you know, uh, uh, premise and the civilizational uh, structure. Now, at the, above that is the governance, which is the BJP is providing. That disconnect needs to be resolved somehow. It seems that BJP has chased after quick American solutions, not necessarily connected with our own Sanskriti, which is available to them through RSS. I mean, they have right there in the next to them sitting there, the RSS expertise is there. So bringing this RSS expertise about Bharatiya Sanskriti into the, into the governance of uh, India as an institution, rather than importing the institutional uh, uh, you know, competence from uh, other civilizations. This is a very big challenge, but I think this is very necessary. This RSS and BJP connection should be Oh, absolutely. Overall, the system and in states, they are ruling so many states today. But the bureaucracy, the faculty, all the policy-making uh, 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 organizations, all these need total overhauling this mindset. See, government has changed, but the mindset has not changed, Rajiv ji. That yes. needs to change. These people still feel entitled everywhere, everywhere. They say Lalbatti is gone. No, but you'll find that people are still uh, driving the cars with pilots and all that, uh, feeling entitled. I was in Delhi last five years. I don't think uh, much has changed uh, under uh, ministry. Yes, there are some very bright ministers. There are yeah, some very I, I would say, hard yeah, ministers. Yeah. Every single minister I've met, and I've met several of them, uh, science and yeah. technology, culture, home yeah. ministry, HRD, I am very impressed by the new crop of ministers. I must say that. Okay. 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 But to build an institution, it's not enough that uh, one guy is bright, quick, uh, you know, very sharp. He picks your point. He wants to happen. I've even been, I've even been where the minister has called uh, to, for a meal at his house. He's called uh, eight, nine people who work for him in different departments, all these IS people for the specific purpose of telling them, please go and help this fellow, help this, what Rajiv is proposing, we want to have it done. Even with minister giving such clear orders, the point is it doesn't get done. Because then the next day I have to go and meet all these IS guys, all these Babus, all these administrators, they are still full of themselves, they are full of this arrogance exactly. in the old That's system. My experience they, also. they make you run around here and there, and, and you know, an honest person who's not got the patience to go and deal with this kind of sleaze, is going to give up and say to hell with all this. So this is a exactly. this is where the institution building is needed. It has to be taken down from the minister level down to the working level, and the, this is has to be quick because we've taken we're taking too long, and you can't wait till this group of uh, this batch of administrators retire because that's just too long. So you have to do something very radical to overhaul, re-engineer the whole administrative system very quickly. And the education system, I think the faculty. Uh, the faculty is very anti-state, uh, anti-India, and it's not a good thing to have uh, that kind yes. of faculty. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, um, my my other my other point, which I want uh, one big point is, I don't think the average Indian youth is ready to make the sacrifice required, both in terms of investing long term and not wanting a quick result. And also sacrificing selfishness in order to for the general good. You know, I find that uh, emotional arousal both arms Lacks of people will retweet. Lacks of people will view this and that video. And so many emails will come saying, "Aap ye kijiye, wo kijiye, aap great hai, ye wo hai. But the moment you tell them to actually do something, then they'll run away. 
so there is a kind of a, a craving for feeling good. Indians, Indians have been so beaten up for so long that they are looking for feel good. Ki humko give me something to feel good. And so their idea of a successful event is where, you know, they felt aroused, emotional aroused. Yeah. But nation, nation building is not a theatrical production. Yeah. Nation building is not a theatrical production. Theatrical production is important to get emotional arousal. But after that has been done, you need to channel that into policy making, into training, into institution building, into sacrifice, tapasya. You have to have all that. So, wo hamare country mein abhi tak nahi ho paya. The youth yeah, is man. not the yeah. youth is not properly channeled into a long-term sacrifice like in China they did for 30 years. They they had uh, 30 years of sacrifice. Very clearly that you are doing this, your children will benefit. You are not going to get the benefit. They pushed them through. Chai dande se kia, chai jaise bhi kia, par kar diya unhone. So we have we have yet to uh, we have yet to achieve that self-discipline of the youth towards a higher cause, which is called tapasya. That's true. Yeah, that whole concept of tapasya, I think, uh, should come back. People have to. And uh, I am very hopeful. See, what I have been seeing last couple of years, uh, the youth, yes, I totally agree that what has happened this small town guy, people who we never believed in him, he's suddenly feeling empowered. He feels he can do something. The avenues to get financial uh, help, the avenues to uh, find a direction if he has some ideas are, are improving. And I think that's a good sign, Rajivji. And if it really continues like that, maybe we'll have a lot of innovations, a lot of good startups coming uh, over here. So far, one another good thing is that a lot of people always thought startup is something like you have to create Google and Apple or something huge and big. But people are realizing there are lots of local ideas, small ideas. Indian small towns have started building local apps. See, again, that's a jugad thing. One guy thought, why I don't bother about Ola and all that. Let me create something only for school-going children, you know. I was recently in Lucknow. Some yeah. only mothers have to draw, fathers have to draw up, they're irritated. So better only school children. Now he's very successful. Now he wants to go national, global. I said, no, you should go local because that's a USP. So lots of good ideas are coming in. But I totally agree with you. They need to give, uh, be institutionalized, channelized, and they need to be uh, guided. So, uh, you know, this week, a few days ago, uh, Americans celebrated uh, John F. Kennedy's 100th birth anniversary. Yeah, 100th birth anniversary, John F. Kennedy. So one is reminded of uh, one of his famous, he made many famous speeches. So I, one of his famous sayings is, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Now, I want to, I want to ask you, is there an Indian leader who will dare to tell the people, ask not what your country can do for you, Ah, don't ask what I'll do for you. Don't ask what India will do for you. Ask what you will do for your country. Now that requires some courage. That requires risk taking. That uh, our tendency is to say merely vote karo, and once I'm elected, I'll solve your problems. Whereas what Kennedy is saying, what Kennedy is saying is, don't ask me to solve your problems. I'm here to lead you, guide you how you got to solve your problems. So yeah. this is this is a shift in thinking. That we have to put yeah. the burden, and this is called tapasya. What he's asking because for is. Yeah, we could have, I think we could have done it in 1947. That was a golden opportunity. We could have done it uh, uh, instead of Nehruji, I think when he became prime minister or Gandhi, they should have after independence told the youth of this country and the people of this country, see, our job was to find you freedom. We got you freedom. Now it's your country. You have to build it. Instead of that, Nehru created a sort of ideology, philosophy and the thought of that time was, hang on, you don't know how to run the country. I know. So I'm going to run it. And you just follow me. 
uh, and that's how the government took over everything and the local enterprise the native enterprise the native intelligence died absolutely so what you are saying is uh, fine yeah so we need uh, we need a new ethos from the top to the bottom on how to make uh, bharat great again you have to make indian uh, citizens responsible they have to feel uh, responsible about their country and uh, they have to do it like very quickly otherwise we'll miss the bus again and after 30 years somebody like you and me will be sitting and saying we can't keep missing so many buses we have missed all the buses if you look at it the democratic revolution when it came in india we got independence but nehru controlled everything instead of giving empowering people giving power to them and then we would have had a generation which was full of local enterprise rather than engineers and doctors and the clerks who just becomes nuts and bolts in machine and the good times are today it's 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 a revolution of ideas the people who have ideas they are going to succeed now and i think indians have so many ideas they should not be shy of uh, bringing their ideas in front of the world you have done it a great job i am a great admirer of your courage and your efforts you should do it and i am trying to do it i am trying to bring out the indian creativity people and see rajiv ji main aapko ek badi maze ki baat batata hu wherever i went whenever i asked i went to iit roorkee recently to give a tedx talk i said okay how many creative people are here out of 1100 students only five or six hands came up then i said That's how many sad. are human beings here and all of them raised their hands i said how can a human being be not creative yeah <laughs> and they realized the irony they said oh we do not even realize that we are not creative people anymore this institutionalized dumbing down of the entire <laughs> generation that is what bothers me and my blood boils and that is what i bring want to bring justice whatever my little contribution is and that's why i want to protect people like you and anybody who's thought leader who's trying to uh, you know motivate inspire the collective energy of our uh, the india india is a great country our joint family system i think was the greatest of the institutions yes, yes, so many yes. things you you earn from there you create a wealth we forgot about creating social wealth we have not invested in social wealth we have not invested in literary wealth we have not invested in cultural wealth where are indian singers where is indian songs bollywood is the only indian art left today where is today rajiv ji if i have to buy a hindi book if i want to buy premchand's book or i want a hindi uh, rama ramcharitmanas by tulsidas i do not know where i'll get it i'll have to travel miles and miles i'll have maybe i'll have to fly to some other city to find it it's no city of india today get anything which is indian and that is great tragedy we need to uh, do and this was systematically done i know exactly how it was done that your entire think tank is part of international mafia so you have yeah, colonized yeah. india in a certain way so this is a fantastic first discussion of what i hope will be many between us Uh, and and i want to work with you uh, on some projects we are doing and we will help you in your projects course, we yes. should we should collaborate now we should collaborate uh, next time i am in india we should get together and really think hard how we can work together because it, to me it's a real delight to meet somebody like you uh, somebody so passionate so clear thinking so audacious not uh, worrying about risk and so successful so congratulations to you again vivek and thank you for coming on the show and we'll stay in touch Namaste. Definitely, and I'll see you whenever yeah. I'm in uh, US. Namaskar. Yes, you have to come and stay with me. You have to come to sure. uh, Princeton. You must allow some extra time next time you're here and stay with me, and we will have a we will have some more discussions and uh, some strategies will come out of that. Thank you very much.
to help me you can do two things you can go to the subscribe button on my youtube and subscribe we need more subscribers there uh, secondly i get lots of emails on people saying how do we donate how can we help you uh, you go to rajimalhotra.com or you go to infinityfoundation.com and you can hit the donate button you can donate in dollars there are different ways mentioned if you want to donate in rupees there is a column called uh, infinity foundation india and you click that and there are instructions on how you can donate in india